Hey, this is Nathan Black. And this is Hank Brainerd. And welcome to Blue Brain TV! This week we're joined by Connor Wood to discuss Blaze, Ethan Hawke's new Blaze Foley biopic, as well as the fall movies we're most looking forward to. This episode was originally released on September 18th, 2018 as a video podcast. For that and all of our past video episodes, you can follow the link in the description to our YouTube channel. And for written reviews, essays, and works of fiction, visit us at pollutebrain.com. Four mad scientists to penetrate the world wide web created the cyber necro emancipator. But then, something went wrong. Terribly wrong. The system is overloading. They'd be trapped in cyberspace forever. Well, howdy, y'all. We're talking about what movies we're excited for for Oscar season today. Guys, it's Oscar season. We're Woo! getting there. Oh, Popular yeah. film. Hell yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. No more. No more. It's gone. Yeah. This is a day of celebration. It's true. But first, we're talking about Blaze, the new uh, Ethan Hawke movie. Ethan Hawke directed, starring Ben Dickey. And it's about Blaze Foley. And uh, I think you guys might not be as familiar with Blaze Foley as I am. Nope. Because he... Nope. Blaze Foley was a country artist in Austin around like the 1980s, and he's very much an underground figure. He was an amazing songwriter, really a poet, but he just was not recognized in his time for that. And he was loved by Towns Van Zandt and people like Lucinda Williams, and he's been covered by John Prine and Merle Haggard, but it's really only recently that he started to get a little bit of recognition for how great of a songwriter he was. And so Ethan Hawke has made a new movie about him, uh, and as I said, it stars Ben Dickey as Blaze Foley, and uh, Charlie Sexton as Towns Van Zant, and yeah, what do you, what are some first reactions? I guess. Um, I am very surprised. Well, I'm not surprised that I didn't know Blaze fully, but it's so cool to, to finally see like somebody who was a part of a tight knit circle, yeah. like for a lot of very influential artists. And this is like very much this whole movie just feels like just like the most lovingly made movie. Like mm-hmm. everything is like like very much like coming from a place of love for this artist, yeah. like, plays fully. Yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of biopics, the genre, and then I'm also not the biggest fan of country music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to see it kind of blend together, I was not really, like, super, you know, interested in it uh, uh, before going in. But I I got kind of a biopic that that is not like any other, any others in the genre, you know? Uh, and I, that's, I was kind of surprised by it, by the structure of it, by kind of the formula it kind of runs by. And I want to talk about that because mm-hmm. I think we all have kind of a uh, disdain for biopics in general, yeah. especially yeah. music biopics, which, yeah. I mean, I mean, going on to the topic that we're going to talk about later, mm-hmm. there's that fucking Freddie Mercury biopic that's coming yeah. out. That Bohemian, just, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. It just looks like dog shit to me. I don't know mm-hmm. how anybody's excited for that. Yeah. But, uh, but this does not feel like a biopic. It does not feel like most biopics, at least. It doesn't have the same kind of... That element of hero worship, that element of predictability. It doesn't follow those same plot points. Because most biopics do follow a very strict line. Mm-hmm. It's the rise and maybe the fall. Yeah. But uh, this one's different. It has a very different structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess let's talk about the structure. What do you make of it? Yeah, I... I, I was listening to an interview with Ethan Hawke... Uh, uh, on this podcast and uh 
he was he kind of mentioned the the formula that it runs by a little bit and kind of the unique structure of it and it's kind of it kind of brings about you know uh kind of themes of like life and death and kind of full circle almost but also uh speaking of just the structure uh he kind of like each kind of like past present and future like timeline that the movie runs by a little bit it kind of like each each, each it kind of hits one another that's what he's that's what he mentioned in the genre like each kind of a uh, particular like moment in time uh, that the story runs by each of them kind of like hit each other it kind of cuts back to Towns Van Sant and then also uh, it cuts back to you know Ben Dickey playing uh, 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 Blaze Foley and then also Aaliyah Shawkat who's playing Silver uh, Rosen yeah and Silver uh, Rosen uh, Blaze Foley's ex-wife actually co-wrote this movie and it's based on mm-hmm. a memoir of hers and she's mm-hmm. actually in the movie she's that's right yeah. she uh, she plays uh, this movie's Silver Rosen's mother mm-hmm and for people that haven't seen the movie, let's explain that the structure of this movie is, it's not flashbacks, but it does jump around in there time. Are three, yeah. There are three kind of main areas of this film, yeah. time zones that this film mm-hmm. takes place in. There's like a posthumous kind of interview at like a radio show, I believe, right. um, talking about Blaze Foley talking and his life. Talking to Ethan Hawke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, talking to Ethan Was that really who it was? Yeah, 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 the radio host. Okay. And um, then there's also a actual live recording um, at a place in Texas called the outhouse, right? Which is, um, pretty much. And those, those are all interlaced with like actual vignettes of mm-hmm. Blaze's life and, and, and things like that. So, and, and it, it works together. Like all that stuff works really like actually well, I heard yeah. a lot of people just talking about that, like liquid narrative as like mm-hmm. not a good thing, but like, I think it, hear me out. It's like a nice soup, you know, yeah. you put mm-hmm. the soup down, put the ingredients in and sometimes it doesn't work. But this time it works. This time it works. Yeah. I think it works really well. Yeah. Like I and I especially I talk about a lot in my review the first half of the movie, mm-hmm. and the first half of the movie works so well for me, and it really really connected with me in a way that yeah I don't know if a movie has this year yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it the way that it works for the first half it's very dreamlike, and it goes very fluidly between timelines. Like you said, there's uh, the interview with Towns Van Zandt, which is kind of the framing device. There is the Live at the Outhouse album, which in this movie takes place the day before he dies. In real life, it was about a month before. Okay. But that's a real album. You can go listen to it. It's a really great album. Uh, but then there's the past. And there is, for much of the first half, that past is Blaze and Sybil, played by Aaliyah Shockwood, as you mm-hmm. said, in kind of a treehouse. They're living in Georgia in this old, decrepit house that they're allowed to stay in for free. And it's a love story, and that's really what it is. And so I, I'll say now that at the screening we went to, uh, we got to be there for a Q&A with uh, Ethan Hawke and yep. Ben Decky and uh, Charlie, Charlie Sexton, Sexton yeah. afterwards. And they talk a lot about how they really did approach this movie more as a love story than a biopic. Mm-hmm. And I think that works for it. Yeah, like that it first does, half, yeah. the way that it's edited, the way that it all flows together is so dreamlike and mm-hmm. so wonderfully naturalistic that yeah. I just adored it. Yeah, it bring it brings a little more engagement to the people who don't really or, or not really familiar, you know, with the Blaze Foley story as mm-hmm. of, you know, as me. Uh, and I'm not sure how you how invested you were uh, beforehand. Uh, no idea. You no idea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the kind of the the love story added a little bit of, you know, humanity to it almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, you know, uh, relatability a little bit, uh, where the viewer could almost relate to it a little bit. And uh, to touch on the dreamlike kind of feel throughout the entire film, I thought that was a big benefit mm-hmm. of kind of like the timeline of how it went, how kind of everything, like like you said, liquid kind of narrative a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, 
yeah, that was a big benefit of the film for me, uh, my takeaway. Well, and I think I think that there's something to be said for like not trying to actually capture this yeah. person. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, being like, ooh, let's try to you know structure this out to be yeah. like this person, but like actually having like a narrative that is focused somewhere else, and in realizing that you're not going to actually yeah, it's the truth, it's more of a you know? mood piece a little yeah. bit yeah. on mm-hmm. kind of like life and like music and, and love. And, and I'm sure of, most and, of the people that acted in this, and definitely even Hawk, like love his music. Yeah, and they're letting that kind oh, yeah. of. I feel like they let the the vibe of the music and, and some of the testimonies yeah. from other people direct where the mood is going more Absolutely. than like trying to capture Blaze in reality. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about the music for sure because mm-hmm. it's I mean it's a soundtrack. The songs are recreated by the actors. Well, it's entirely EDM, which I think is so cool. <laughs> yeah, you have Dead Mouse, yeah, Skrillex. <laughs> it, it's a diversion. It's not what you'd expect, yeah. but it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the music from an outsider perspective, you know, from not really... And you're not a country that. fan. Like, oh. I mean, you don't know who Blaze Foley is. You didn't know who Blaze Foley yeah. was, but you are a country fan. Yeah, for sure. sure. I like I like older country. Like, I, I know we watched this recently, but Nashville. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. Like, that older kind of country, I, I really like. And then, obviously, folk, which, you know, is a lot different, but... Uh, but no, like, kind of, I think country's gotten a lot worse, I, obviously, as, you know, times have gone on. Uh, but no, I really enjoyed, um, I, re- I really liked the music. I thought uh, it fit well with, you know, the, all the characters a little bit, all of like the the setting and stuff, especially. Uh, and that, yeah. I, I mean, in many really scenes, it's not really, it's more of a mood piece than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not mm-hmm. getting very many long scenes of people singing. Mm-hmm. It's very much in the background on a lot of them. Yeah. I, I appreciate that a lot. Because oh, I'm yeah. used to a lot of, films like having a moment that really teeters off from the thing to be like this is this he's performing that yeah. song especially yeah. when he was uh performing there uh in the outhouse where right. uh where it would focus on let's say the bartender who would like go out for a smoke or something right. i really like i really liked that approach to it a little bit mm-hmm. to the music scenes i thought it kind of yeah. a little yeah. more grounded approach a little bit so no i really like that part too oh, absolutely it's really really well done in the way that he mm-hmm. uses the music yeah mm-hmm. but I well think, his I think songs right like will start like being like um What's the word for it? Dis- dysgenic? What is it? Yeah. Like diegetic? Diegetic. Yeah, yeah. I'll start diegetic so it'll be him playing, but yeah. they'll seep through other parts. Like the, the song will be... Yeah. Well, that comes know. back to the structure. Where yeah. That it, mm-hmm. It'll jump around mm-hmm. using the song as a reference point for yeah. the mood of what it's showing. Yeah, yeah. And that's really, really well done. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of my favorite... My favorite sequence in this movie is a sequence in which they're using the song... Uh, Big cheeseburgers and good French fries, and it's over a wedding sequence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get one. <laughs> you you get a shot that I think has been in a lot of press material, yeah. where mm. it's the one very different shot in this movie. Yeah, and it's a <laughs> it's little hokey, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little hokey, but in the moment it works really well. Yeah. So I know in the Q and A uh, that we you know watched after this, when Ethan Hawke, Ben Dickey, and Charlie Sexton came out on stage. Uh, they when someone someone in the crowd I think mentioned the uh, the wedding shot when uh, every, so it's this very uh, it's this very dreamlike kind of shot where uh, but also very joyous a little bit very uh, cheerful uh, very happy uh, and, and it's it's a slow motion shot yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. super slow motion shot oh yeah and they had to bring in I think uh, they had to get a new camera on set uh, to that would be able to shoot at that right. high of a frame rate you know <laughs> oh, to where yeah. you, it's so it it moves so slowly it's like super slow motion but it fits really well it yeah. does and he talks about and he talks a lot about the motivation behind a lot of what they do and he talks yeah. about how that is it's like capturing a moment in time mm-hmm. uh, I mean it's not the deepest explanation there could be but it's it does it, it works well yeah it, it works, works really extremely well. well yeah 
I do want to talk about that Q&A because mm-hmm. there were a lot of interesting things he brought up. And yeah, and Ethan Hawke's just such an interesting, you know, guy to watch just what he, like, while he's talking. He's just so, every word that comes out of his mouth is just, like, I'm just, like, always, like, paying attention. It's just, like... Well, it's funny that you say that because the way he talked for me was, I don't know, I I always hate listening to directors talk about really? their own work. I think they're really bad at explaining their own work. Okay. I remember I listened to an interview with Boots Riley recently about, sorry to bother yeah. you, just nonsensical. And I thought oh, there's an yeah. element of nonsense to Ethan. Like, really? it was nonsensical, but it was yeah, also genius. I couldn't, I couldn't listen to a fucking, um, what is it, Jordan Peele talk about oh, it. Yeah. I couldn't do yeah. it. Like, I just couldn't. I think it's interesting to see directors' approach to their own films almost. Yeah. Like, I think it's interesting to, like, at least see. So obviously, sometimes I don't, you know, everyone not really agrees with them on certain parts, you know? But uh, I just love the way... Ethan Hawke just talks in general. <laughs> just oh, like, yeah. It just seems like he's so invested. He puts a lot of care on like everything he's well, saying. And you can tell he's bursting out with things to say. Absolutely. Like, yeah. He has so much yeah. he wants to say and, and yeah. he's, it's real passion. Oh yeah, I mean, especially on this film which I believe is like a passion project almost. Oh yeah. yeah. It's it's basically a project that they got to shoot between two yeah. bigger projects. Absolutely. But back to, back to what I was saying about what he said. He talks mm-hmm. about, one of my favorite things he talked about in that Q&A was the kind of gap between when you're making a biopic and what the actual reality is and how he was not he was not preoccupied with reality when he was making this Mm -hmm. as much as this movie is naturalistic and captures reality he wasn't preoccupied with every detail being correct like there are many many changes to reality Mm -hmm. and I like that I like that he talks about that I like that he talks about how it's more trying to make something that feels authentic than actually realistic. And he succeeds tremendously, I think. He really does. This is a very authentic movie, Mm -hmm. more than most biopics. That might be my favorite part of the movie is just the the way it feels, the way just it kind of felt to me, at least, the way I was feeling during it. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and and the the scenes that just like exude fun and like you can tell that the the actors and like the characters are Mm -hmm. having fun are just so like it works like it pulls mm-hmm. you into those moments mm-hmm. like the scene where they're all tangoing and the the record labels coming they're like you 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 gotta get out of there you gotta stop uh yeah. you know taking this like a joke and they just kind of play it off and like mm-hmm. those moments just really yeah. they sold me in like they really pulled me in mm-hmm. and, well it's uh, very improvisational yeah oh for sure yeah. you can tell ethan hawk really knows how to work with actors yeah. and lead them and mm-hmm. just i mean he's an actor himself so exactly yeah, yeah it's like what? it's like all the actors got comfortable with the the situation in the room before they really started filming it and with everyone else and i think that those those movies you can you really tell when that happens yeah oh yeah well and it's even more interesting because he's working with non-actors for the most part mm-hmm. charlie sexton is not an actor he mm-hmm. is a musician he's part of bob dylan's backing band mm-hmm. he's worked with david bowie and then ben dickey who plays blaze foley uh, also a musician yeah. uh, mm-hmm. not an actor uh, but he does really really well in this movie yeah. he yeah. gives a great performance and a very very it's very authentic to who Blaze Foley was but while mm-hmm. also being very much authentic to who I think Ben Dickey is yeah. could, and that that was the best part of the Q&A for yeah. me was just listening to he talked very briefly but he's very didactic and oh, yeah. just amazing and I know obviously there were some other actors in the movie that are, have yeah. been in other things like Elia mm-hmm. Shulkat uh, also I don't know. How to, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, but uh, shock at. Okay, uh, and then the uh, the gentleman who I'm forgetting his name, the actor's name, but the one that was alongside uh, Charlie Sexton in the uh, right. Uh, I, you know, I also don't remember it, but that's a. Uh, what and, his name is going to be right here, on the screen. Yes, there we go. But yeah, and that character that's that's an invention too. Yeah. that character is not a real the harmonica player. Yeah. but uh, it's a character that works very well for the movie because he 
yeah serves a very specific thematic there yes. there is a great moment and, it, and it's a moment where I, I i love that they they allude to, i love when biopics or anything allude that there's like a second side to the story yeah. there's a great moment where they're doing the interview and um they're talking about you know uh tons van zandt is talking about how he's um he recorded the the live album he's so happy he did it and then the, the interviewer goes he goes like um thank god he had people like you in your life and then the other guy just kind of like gets up and walks out mm -hmm. and i and i don't know what you yeah. know you can interpret that in many ways but i i really took that as it being like like there were you know maybe he should have had better people in his life or something like that yeah. there, there's different ways that you could look at the story that it's not this is not the yeah. one story and that sure. that goes back to what he was saying and i actually think that's how he got to talking about what's yeah. real and what's not at the q a somebody asked a question about that moment in particular mm -hmm. uh and yeah i i agree with you on that it's mm -hmm. very very important to it and I think that's such a great moment yeah mm -hmm. it is to talk about stuff that you know I wasn't crazy on uh, or that should uh, just some you know short little cons on the movie well uh, it's, I do want to mention that it is not yeah. a perfect movie oh, and, no. and I think it's yeah. very important to note that this is one of my favorite movies of the year it's more flawed than many of the movies yeah. I've seen this year and I like that despite the flaws oh, like, yeah. this is the mm -hmm. kind of movie that really sticks with me despite many of the problems with mm -hmm. it and there are problems yeah I, uh, but just, I think just my main gripe with it is just the running time. Uh, I think yeah. it's a little, it runs a little too long at like a little over two hours, uh, which I think maybe like bring it down to like hour 45, I think it would mm -hmm. be like perfect, perfect run time. I just, I just felt a little bit of just kind of the long kind of dragging a little bit, but just, it wasn't bad. I, I'm interested in that's, that's the big flaw you bring up because I, in the car on the way home, because we went to this together, we drove back home together. Mm -hmm. You were much more lukewarm about the movie than I was. Yeah. But my problems now, this far out, are actually bigger than yours, which is interesting because my, I have a big problem with the second act of this or the second yeah. half of this movie, where I do feel like it loses mm. a lot of what it brings in the yeah. first half. It, it becomes a little more straightforward. It loses a lot of the naturalism. It becomes very mm. moody, and I don't know if that works as well. Yeah. But that's the thing, is I like it despite yeah. what happens, no. despite the way it goes. Yeah, my thoughts have changed, like, dramatically, like, over, like, since I last saw it. Uh, uh, yeah, because I remember I was telling you, like, how I liked the second half a little bit more. That's right, but, and but, we were so different on that. Yeah, yeah, but I think now after looking at it, I, do, I mean, I still thought the first act was fine. Like, I thought it was really good. Uh, but I think now I've switched a little bit to where I like the first half more. Like, it's just, like, it's kind of, it works a, just every kind of way that it was just like it makes me think a lot but yeah interesting okay well did, what about you were did there you... any particular scenes like in the second act that like threw you off or that you're like i didn't want in there i you know i don't i don't know if there was anything i will say some the moment where it broke off for me is the moment that they're after they've been in austin for a while they travel and they end up traveling to chicago yeah and it's about 10 minutes spent in chicago i believe and that was the moment that I think what happens in Chicago is slower and not so, it's not as impactful. Mm -hmm. Even though there's a great moment, that's the moment where uh, If I Could Only Fly, which might be the best place, Foley song is played. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, that, that was where it lost me a little bit. And it didn't, after that there was nothing bad, but yeah. it didn't recover what it See, had. I think, I think for me, I actually, I really liked that segment because I think for the most part I was, I was caught up in the movie and kind of like the fantasy of it. And when that, those slower moments, especially when he's at the, um, the blues bar and it's, it's very slow and he's playing to a crowd that doesn't like him, that doesn't care about him. I think that, I think that that moment is where like, there were some of the problems that Blaze Foley had really like, I think that that, that somber moment and those, those moments that kind of played 
and we're not as like you know striking and not as fast going we're really like they really worked for me and i think that by the time the third act picked up it was like it seemed like it flowed naturally to me interesting mm -hmm. yeah it's really interesting to me that yeah. both of you seem to have fewer flaws than I did, but I love this movie yeah. with yeah. passion. Mm -hmm. I wow, and I, I think it, it is partially too because I, I I tend to like when I watch movies get really invested in the characters and really really like to see what yeah. happens, and I don't mind when the the characters kind of get through a like a smog or like there's like a longer span that you mm -hmm. just holds in there in a moment or something like that, and I yeah. I think a. I do think that in a lot of ways that, that Ben Dickey's character was really a main reason why. Like, after I left that movie, I was like, I'd have a beer with that guy. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. it kind of, it might have cl uh, cluttered my critical eye. Oh, I can understand. Point. Yeah. Well, I certainly had that in the first yeah. half, for sure. I, well, in, in the second half, I, I say this as if I thought it was bad. I don't think it's bad. Yeah. I think it's really well done still. Yeah. And I think especially the last maybe 20 minutes are exceptionally well done. Mm -hmm. Um Although I'd agree with you on the runtime, where it does drag a little bit. Yeah. Even at the end, it does drag a little bit. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the last scene is interesting. I there's part th something about it that I like and something about it that I don't. Yeah, I think I do think that they could have. There was an earlier point at the yes. end that they could have cut. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I I was not a huge fan of the last like. Um, it's maybe because it's been done so many times. Like the oh, death is you know like the, the kind of like question of an ending. Yeah. You know, where the gravekeeper comes by and walks away. And yeah, I just remember it because kind of bored because after that when the movie came out, everyone was like, "What did that mean?" It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I yeah. it didn't really work as well because everything else was so, like, like seemed like a perfect sentence, and at the end it was like. I don't know. It seemed like it was trying to do something. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure. The area, the area in the film where at the very end where it's shown his death, mm -hmm. and uh, that whole sequence that's played out a little bit, and then it kind of is like a bridge to the ending a little bit, like a little bit after that. Um, I thought that could have been done a different way than it was done, uh, or I think it just could, could have been done a, you know a better way. Uh, I liked what they did. I liked what they did because they start the credits early. In that. Yes, and that was really interesting. I thought they were going to do the whole thing. Yeah, to the point, and I think that would have that would have actually been a, a really like interesting artistic decision to do. Yeah, because it, it already puts your mind in like I said, the movie's over, mm -hmm. kind of, and things are coming over. I I don't know. I, I there was something about that that they stopped doing the credits and they stopped kind of doing that that I don't, that made it really not. Like I, I was yeah. unsettled myself. I was like, is the movie over? Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, I understand if you wanted to like connect it to the, kind of like the liquid narrative a little bit, yeah. like bring it back to like that dreamlike feel a little bit, where it just kind of keeps on going. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I think they should have just kind of cut the credits. Yeah. But it's all good. Well, what, then this is the last thing I want to ask. Yeah. Uh, what, do, what do you guys think about the death sequence? Because that's it. It is not done the way that I thought it would be done. Yeah. When yeah. going in, yeah. I knew about the death. I knew the details. I yeah. thought that that would be a very big focal point, but it's not. It's not. It happens. I guess after what you call the climax. Yeah, I feel like it comes and goes, and it kind of is a little too quick. And but I kind of like that it comes. I and goes. I loved I because I was so anytime I see it, my biggest gripe about biopics is death scenes because mm -hmm. they're just hard to do. Yeah, they're very hard to do. Right? Yeah, very, they're very they're very like a. And I think that the way that that whole situation worked, I just I feel like they they did it pretty fucking. Flawlessly. Oh yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I think I would have done it maybe a little bit of a different way. It still like it still works for the movie. Like it every gripe that I come up with, like other than the running time maybe, like it's easily kind of like hard with the it works with the movie. Like it I totally understand, like it it I mean it does. It kinda works. So it's it kinda does. hard, yeah. I I what I like about it is that it happens very suddenly. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. 
and it, it is almost an afterthought, but it's mm-hmm. very, and even the way it's framed, the shit, you don't see the shot. Yeah. You see a flash from it, but you don't actually see it happen. Mm-hmm. And then it's him stumbling out on the, onto the street. Yeah. And there's something about that that I really yeah. appreciate. It's, yeah, it's a hard movie because I, I wish I had, I had more things to say critically about it. And I wish I had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but there's something about the way it flowed that, that, as opposed to many movies I've seen, I usually base my critiques on if I'm yanked out of it. Mm-hmm. And very few times was I yanked out of that yeah. movie. Which I, and I, I think what really comes, comes to the, the tea of what my appreciation of it mm-hmm. was. Um, I think we can, we can end this by saying that we all very much like the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I love this mm-hmm. movie and you should see it while you can. Especially if you're here in Nashville, there are great opportunities to see it. Um, and I, I, and I guess the question I'll ask, I'll wrap this up, is who would you recommends this movie for i i'd say just just off the tee i think i think if you are a punk rocker and if you like those types of characters mm-hmm. and you like um and you you have affinity or or if you like stories of of like rebellion or stories of of people um you know doing things on their own their own kind of thing i think you'd really appreciate this movie. yeah like rogue one like rogue one yeah <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> the rebel alliance yeah but, but yeah, I will say we definitely have uh, some punks that watch the show, and this—if you don't like country music, this is the artist that you will like. Yeah, for sure. sure. So I think on that note, we can go over to our second topic today. Yeah, and I will bounce it over to you. Sweet. Okay, so uh, since TIFF literally like just ended Toronto International Film Festival, it's kind of like the kickstart yeah. event for well, it's the TIFF in Venice. And for yeah. those who don't know, those are those are the two where we kind of get an idea of what Oscar season is going to look like. That's oh, yeah. where the movies have premiered for the first time, mm-hmm. and now they're going to run the circuit and they're going to get released, and we're going to see what people think of them. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of movies that released. Uh, with critical acclaim at both festivals, and I, I just thought we should touch up on some yeah. of them, uh, what we're all excited for. So, and for, well, first I want to note that we we've done the Oscar thing before, yeah. and we've been very clear that we don't like the Oscars and we're very ambivalent, mm-hmm. but we like TIFF and we like Venice. We like all of this yes. very much because we like we like the festival atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and you've been to TIFF. I've I've been to Toronto. Uh, I went last year in 2017. It was best. Best trip I've ever been to. Best time I've ever had in my life. Like, it, as a film fan, like, it's just a must. See, Absolutely. yeah, I've only been in Park City before they did Sundance, and that yeah. was really weird. That's really surreal. Yeah, it's it, just film festivals in general, just the big ones are so surreal. And we're going to try and do a group trip next year to TIFF, so Absolutely. look out for that content this oh, time yeah. next year. Uh, so, full coverage. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, what are you, what are you so excited for? The, the movie I am most excited for is uh, the new Claire Denis movie, which is High Life. And it yep. is, she's already had one movie come out this year. I, it might have come out last year and just been released here, but yep. it's Let the Sun Shine In, which uh, my review is actually up. It's on the site. It's one of the first mm-hmm. ones I reviewed. Uh, and I loved that movie. I love Claire Denis. I love white material. I need to see I need to see that movie. Uh, Juliette Binoche is probably one of my favorite actresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She and she's just wonderful. Yeah. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but is she in High Life? Or, oh, she is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she is too. It's her and Robert Pattinson. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a science fiction movie, and I don't, I've not seen any more material about it, other anything other than tweets and what yeah. it is. I'm excited for it just on the basis of who directed it and who's involved in it. Yeah. Because I love, as I already said, I love Claire Denis. Mm-hmm. I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, that's that's obvious. That's definitely you know on my radar. Uh, I think the one I'm the there's obviously a lot that I'm really excited for. 
uh, I'd say like the the first, and this is just for like any movies coming out in the next several months, but definitely a uh, House That Jack Built uh, yes. is, is on the top of my God list. Damn. Lars von Trier is one uh, of my favorite directors of all time. Uh, one of the most controversial yeah. yes. filmmakers of all time. This is a but, movie that got booed and yeah. just destroyed a con. But also, they, they, but also, there was a standing ovation. Yeah, exactly. Right after. Yeah, it's so it's this like, is the best man. Absolutely, oh, like, yeah. anything where it splits the crowd oh, in yeah. half is yeah. It's perfect. It's half the audience it, walked yeah. out, and the other yeah. half stayed and loved it. Like, oh yeah, I walkouts were like totally expected for this movie. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah and just, and most I mean most people I'm sure Lars von Trier knows that that's pretty good fucking press. Like I'm sure he's used to it. Too. Movies, yeah. Oh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I from from Breaking the Waves, like his kind of later '90s stuff, to Dogville, early 2000s, and then he had the Depression trilogy with you know Antichrist, Melancholia, and the Nymphomaniac. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all of his films for me just hit out hit out of the park for me mm-hmm. and it's just like he's one of the most unique directors working I think and uh, just really really interested to check out this next movie I've heard it's fantastic from people who love his work so mm-hmm. I'm I'm very happy to see it soon so you know uh, I yeah. don't know if I'm going to go to this movie really I've heard I actually wrote a column about it when the uh, con thing came up and you can read that too but I I've heard so much about it and in doing that I read so much about what happens in it and what it's okay. about mm. that I don't know if I want to see it. Yeah. I'm not sure. And I and the other disclaimer is I've never seen a Lars von Trier film but that'll change. I know you'll make that change. Yeah, it's about to say I've got like I've, I'm about to pull out like five of them just yeah. to watch them <laughs> one day. But yeah. Uh, but both both of you are excited yeah. for that, oh. though. And uh, and kind of piggybacking off of you know Moonlight, Barry Jenkins is bringing if yes. if Bill Street can. There's talk. another movie that I'm very excited. I yeah. think both of us are very excited Absolutely. for. Uh, it's based on a James Baldwin play, and we both like Barry Jenkins a lot. I and I have you seen Moonlight? Nope. Moon, Moonlight <laughs> Moonlight's one of my what a film film show, and I haven't seen I, Moonlight. I absolutely love Moonlight. It's yeah. I, I'm. I like Moonlight. I don't think I love it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan, but I really love who Barry Jenkins is mm-hmm. and what he brings, the kind of perspective yeah. he brings. I'm, his style is insanely good. <laughs> yes. He has a wonderful style. Yeah. I just did not... I'm not going to say much about Moonlight because yeah, yeah. it's hard to describe what I feel about that movie. Yeah, there's but, not much wrong with it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, but I, I'm very... It's going to be interesting to see because he certainly has a higher budget for a feel streak and yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah, and that's gonna be interesting. And early reviews have been very good. Fantastic, yeah. Uh, but then again, I, most movies that premiere at TIFF don't get bad reviews. That's kind of what you have. Yeah, you do. There's a degree when film festivals happen of you kind of have to take things with a grain of salt, mm-hmm. unless it's con, mm-hmm. where the, that's just a free for all. But I mean, it, yeah, it's. It, I mean, it speaks to the festival, the Toronto National Film Festival, that's and like true. how good, how many good films they they bring out. Because last year. They had Shape of Water. They had Florida Project. They had you know Disaster Artist. Uh, just a ton of great movies. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Like there's a handful, just more than a handful, of just movies that you can pick from. That, uh, you know, a lot of them are you know quality stuff. So. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, most we'll be likely reviewing some of those. Yeah. Movies hopefully, that we hopefully we'll talk about, about them. And let's talk. Uh, so that's TIFF. That's the TIFF movies. Yeah. What are some movies that did not premiere TIFF that were? Uh, well, how's the Jack built? Uh, oh, that's it didn't right. That was a tiff, but it was just a. I was just trying to, you know, trying to find other movies, you know, yeah, in the next yeah. several months. But uh, uh, what are we can uh, we can rifle off some others that we? Yeah, I know you're excited for Roma, and I'm very yeah, interested in that too. Absolutely. I don't know anything about it, but I like just Karan's name. Just yes. like he's made some that's of the best films of this century. E2 Amatambian is enough. And I, I will watch. Men. 
Yes. Yeah. Just anything amazing. he makes. Uh, I'm really excited for Climax, the the new Gaspar No Gaspar No movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard about uh, this. It's it's kind of like a a horror dance party. I'm gonna be honest. Like, the I the synopsis really sold me more than the trailer did. Yeah. I but but that's the same. That was the same with Enter oh, the yeah. Void for me. I don't think that the yeah. trailer really sold me. The, on te- that. the teaser trailer for Climax just doesn't give away yeah. much. It's just like <laughs> yeah. quick cuts and just like yeah. mayhem. Just happening. like I wish I just read the idea because the idea is so freaking oh, insane. So I know it. I know it definitely. I think it went to TIFF, mm-hmm. but it's just another movie. You know, uh, I think A24 picked it up. Oh. So yeah, they picked up them picking up an eight, uh, Gaspar No movies. I find really interesting, but uh, but no, I that I've heard it. I've heard great things from it. I've heard it's a really kind of crazed, kind of fun. And you movie. will not see any articles that are not about penises when he after he oh, does it because yeah. that's every time he comes out the movie. You're like, why do you have to put the penis in there? It's like, <laughs> come on, man, why not? Yeah, well, Gaspar No <laughs> penis just. <laughs> blends yeah, right that's, together. that's that's what you'll see on the internet when yeah. that movie. Comes I for one embrace it. it. Oh yeah. Right, well, let's wrap up here by yeah. let's just list off the other movie. I'm uh, Madeline's Madeline is one I'm very yes. much looking forward oh, to. Yeah. Uh, what, what are some other ones? Some, that other, we just ones, some other ones we didn't mention. Steve McQueen's uh, new film Widows, who has mm. it has a stacked cast, and uh, and Steve McQueen, one of my favorite like modern directors right now working today. Um, There's Shoplifters. Yeah, Shoplifters. That's uh, that won the, the highest prize at Con. Also, if you're into weird oh. stuff, check out. Um, there's a trailer up on Bombstrap on YouTube for this movie called Journey to the Center of Healing, and it is the most whacked out thing ever. Be prepared for that because I don't, I have no idea what that's going to be. But you We're need very to watch the trailer. Watch the trailer, and you'll know if it's for you. Yeah, um, Suspiria, I think. Oh, oh yeah, we didn't that. even mention that. Right, I'm, another I'm remake. Stoked for that. Like, that's a, yeah, that's that's up at the top of my list. I can't believe I didn't, we didn't mention that. Right, but yeah, that's. That's gonna be interesting. I, I want to see that so so badly. Two and a half hour long Luca Guadagnino horror movie. Are they gonna redo the soundtrack to be like proggy like the original? Yeah, and you know uh, Tom York's doing it. Oh shit! Yeah, really? Tom York's doing the soundtrack for it. Now I've heard it's a great. I'm sound. always it's a great score. Yeah, but yeah, Suspiria's up there for me as well. All right, guys. Well, thank you for watching. Uh, like and subscribe. Howdy, howdy. Wagon wheel. Peace out. Spittoon. If you don't subscribe to this podcast, I'm going to ride my horse down to your house and I'm going to force you to subscribe. I'll Yeehaw. make you eat from a slop in my farmhouse. Yeehaw. I literally have plates full of that shit. Get out of my grand old Opry without, with your unsubscribing ass. Your unsubscribing asshole. Your unsubscribing bumhole. You don't, you ain't never subscribing. You ain't never will. You're not allowed at the rhyming no more. You won't even thumbs up this video, you fucking you pussy. cowgirl. Yes, you, you Yankee. Yeah, Yankee. Roll Tide. <laughs>